So guys, we wanted to take this service uh, today and talk about what's been going on in our country the last couple of weeks. And it's been dark. And I just want to know, I just want you to know, this, this is going to be a heavy conversation. Uh, not, not despairing, not, not hopeless, uh, but heavy. Uh, because that sometimes things are heavy and that's, that's okay. We need to talk about that. And I'm warning you as well, there may be some of you by the time this is over who are saying, but Andrew, tell me what to do. Tell me how to make this better. And I, I understand that question, but this conversation is not about that today. This is about lamenting and listening and learning from Jesus. So let's pray now before we get started. Jesus, as we begin, open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to hear from your word today and to receive from your Holy Spirit. We pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Well, on May 7th, 2020, a young black man named Ahmad Aubrey went for a run. He was then shot and killed by two armed white men who were following him in their truck. And on May 25th, 2020, George Floyd, another black man while in police custody, had a knee placed on his neck for over eight minutes by a police officer amidst his cries that he could not breathe. And he went into full cardiac arrest and was pronounced dead within the hour on his way to the hospital. I, like you, woke up on Sunday, May 31st, to a world that just appeared on fire. Protests and riots and anger and despair and destruction. My kids and my wife went to play outside for a few minutes. So I could sit in my living room and weep. And I could hardly sleep for several days after that. And guys, listen. We know, we know as gospel people that the violence and destruction of property that has been the response of some coming out of this is not something Jesus would condone or would teach us to do. No matter who's perpetrating it, we know that that's not right. But if that's all we're thinking about right now, if all we're thinking is, man, how, how can these people do that? Then I think we've missed the point because what we have to ask is, why is this happening? What would drive people to this point of desperation? There's so much pain and, and injustice that we're watching on our screens and we're seeing in our own city. And guys, this is hard for me to watch and even understand fully as a white man. But what I can hardly imagine and what moves me to tears is thinking how this must feel if you have the same skin color as George Floyd, if you have the same skin color as Ahmaud Aubrey, and if you have sons and daughters who look like them, how must that feel? Someone who does understand that um, is Pastor Stan Archie, who serves our sister church, Christian Fellowship, on Truston 45th Street in Kansas City. And for those maybe who don't know, Pastor Stan has been a friend and a co-laborer in the gospel in our city with Christ's community for over 15 years, maybe longer. He has preached from our pulpit and we from his on, on numerous occasions. 
His voice is one I trust more than almost anyone else in our city. And we were on a phone call with him earlier this week, and he gave us permission to share his thoughts. In an open letter, he entitled, An Open Letter as a Black Man in America. And here's what Pastor Stan said. Once again, we are reminded of the scarred history that plagues America and continues to flow through its veins. Even while engulfed in the worst pandemic in our lifetime, the ugly racial character of our country is evident while much of the national leadership is silent. The battle of shaping a generation of black people to view law enforcement, government, or the justice system as designed to protect and serve, or that the idea of justice includes black people has become a moot point. He continues, While I truly appreciate the few who will speak up and use their spheres of influence expecting to hear the voice of our white, and especially our white evangelical counterparts, is a fading dream. That was hard to hear. So our teaching team, we met on Monday across our campuses as we normally do, wrestling with what to do in this moment, and we decided that our plans for today had to change. We actually had recorded a a service already. It was ready to post, and we thought, that's not right. So our campus pastors and our senior pastors and representatives from our elder team agreed that we needed to make this change and talk about this from the pulpit. And if you guys know us at all, if you know Christ's community at all, you know we do not do this often. That's how important we feel this is. And family, I'm going to be honest with you right now, I hardly know what to say. Even after working on this for hours, I hardly know what to say. And my hunch is that many of us feel that way. We do not know what to say. But what I know is that we cannot remain silent. As gospel people, as people of the cross, We believe in the resurrection power of Jesus who reconciles all things and all peoples to himself. And so I want to hear Jesus' words today. That's what I want to do. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is asked by his disciples how to pray. We weren't going to preach this text in this series, but we felt this was appropriate. And keep in mind, these are people asking Jesus how to pray who have been oppressed for generations by powerful empires and forces beyond their control. These are people who have experienced the silence of God. No prophetic voice for hundreds of years. And Jesus shows up and they see what he can do. And so they say to him, Jesus, we've never seen someone have the power to change things like you have. So teach us to pray. Because we don't know what to pray. I find myself asking Jesus the same question. Jesus, I don't know what to pray. Show me. Show us. So turn to Luke 11, if you haven't already. This is where we're going to be this morning. When I don't know what to pray, I want to pray what Jesus taught. Let's hear his words again. Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer uh, is a little different than Matthew's, which uh, is probably the one you memorized if you've prayed it before. Jesus says this in Luke 11, in verse 2. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Jesus says that when he teaches us to pray, the first thing he says is to start with our Father. And next week's sermon is is going to talk a lot more about that. But when Jesus starts here, he starts with the truth that when we pray, even when we don't know what to pray or how to pray, we pray to a good Father. He is not a bureaucracy. 
and we're out here waving our hands, hoping to get his attention to do something. Nor is he an impersonal force that we're trying to commune with. He is a good father who hears us, who listens to us and understands. And then Jesus says, ask your father to bring his kingdom here on earth. Your kingdom come. He reminds us here that his mission is to bring a kingdom reality to bear on this world, a reality that is not yet fully here. Jesus is saying, ask for your father's kingdom. And when you ask for it, want it, long for it. Father, your kingdom come. This is actually a command in the grammar. Jesus is saying, tell your father, father, do this. We are holding him accountable to his promise to set the world right. Your kingdom, father, your agenda, your truth, your mercy, your authority, your power, and yes, your justice. Because our present kingdom, our present reality is at war with God's kingdom. And we see and feel around us constantly another kingdom at work, don't we? It is not our Father's kingdom. It's a kingdom of death and sickness and loss and fear. And it's a kingdom of oppression and injustice and violence and hatred and racism. It is antithetical to what Jesus asked us to pray for. And Jesus teaches us to pray this way, that we might become a people who loves our Father's kingdom and works with him by his power to bring it to bear. This is his mission. Now, some of us, myself included, we feel the brokenness of only some parts of this present kingdom. We have sheltered ourselves, and I confess this, We have sheltered ourselves to avoid the injustice and the oppression that many people in our world, many people in our country, many people in our city, people in our churches, our minority brothers and sisters cannot shelter themselves from. They cannot. And so when Jesus teaches me to pray, he is asking me to bring a kingdom that's for them too, not just for me, that frees them from things, honestly, I've never had to feel, I've never had to worry about. I've never had to consider as a white person in this city. Never. When we ask our Father for his kingdom, we are asking for nothing less than a kingdom. Where someone who doesn't look like me can go for a run and not worry about being shot because his skin color and the zip code don't mix. That's not our Father's kingdom. We are asking for nothing less than a kingdom where a black man no longer has to consider whether to say something merely inconvenient to a white person in a public place because they might call the cops and report an assault on an African, uh, an African-American man is assaulting me to intentionally have law enforcement weaponized against him as happened to Christian Cooper in New York City just a few weeks ago. That is not our father's kingdom. We are asking for a kingdom where a racial minority does not have to sense the eyes of everyone in the grocery store on them and to see security following them around because, quote unquote, we don't see your kind a lot around here. That is not our Father's kingdom. We are asking for a kingdom where parents who look like George Floyd no longer have to sit down with their elementary age children and teach them here's what happens. Here's what you need to do when you get pulled over. Here's why you need to have your school ID on you at all times. 
because you will be asked why you're where you are. You need to pay attention to what neighborhoods you're in. You need to be constantly diligent and aware of who is around you because everything these parents see and experience tells them that their children's lives are at stake. Something I've never had to think about. Never. That is not our Father's kingdom. When Jesus says, your kingdom come, he is teaching us to ask for all of this and more. And if we find ourselves not longing for this kingdom right now, if we find ourselves not not hurt and in pain, in compassion, as the Good Samaritan story taught us last week, then we must go back on our knees and ask for the kingdom in our hearts again and again and again because our neighbor's good and God's holy name are at stake. If we cannot ask for God and his kingdom to come, if we cannot ask for his whole kingdom with our words and our actions, we are not keeping the hallowed name of God holy. As this prayer begins, hallowed be your name. If the kingdom we are trying to bring and its agenda is set more by cable news or social media or the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or our favorite media personality, and it does not look like the radical kingdom of our Father that turns the world upside down, and we do that in God's name, we desecrate it. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, and only your kingdom come. This is what we pray. This is what Jesus teaches us. And guys, even when we do that, increasingly, but we see our reality around us, feels and looks nothing like God's kingdom sometimes. It's exhausting. I'm tired. As I listen to my minority brothers and sisters, they're tired. They're tired. And this is why Jesus says, ask for daily bread. Daily bread. Honestly, I find myself asking my father for hourly bread. And I think that's what Jesus meant. God, get me through this moment Get me through this shock, this frustration, this anger, this depression, this anxiety. Get me through this moment right now. Give me the power, Holy Spirit. And tomorrow I can worry about, we will worry about tomorrow together, God. But today, now I need you. Daily bread. And I need, I need forgiveness. Which is what Jesus says next. next. He says, forgive us our sins. I need forgiveness as a part of that daily bread because what I feel more than ever right now is the inexcusable ignorance with which I have asked for God's kingdom but ignored in my heart the plight of my brothers and sisters of color. I have both knowingly and unknowingly asked for God's kingdom but only in the spaces and problems that I understand only from my limited experience and perspective which is not enough. It is not nearly enough. What I'm realizing is there are parts of God's kingdom I understand intuitively. Intuitively, I think you understand this too. We're all like this. We understand the need for healing when we have a loved one who's sick. We have an understanding for provision when jobs and income are lost. We for comfort when we feel alone or depressed. And I, I get those things where there are parts of God's kingdom that I do not long for. Not like other people because I've never had to. not like our black and brown brothers and sisters have. And those parts of God's kingdom, you guys, they are scary and uncomfortable for people like me. They just are. But Jesus calls me and he says, 
Andrew, if you follow me, you will follow me there. And God help me, I haven't done that like I should. And Jesus knew that about me and he knew that about us. And so he says, ask for forgiveness. When you don't know what to pray, ask for forgiveness. But we need more than provision and forgiveness, we need protection. Now more than ever, we need protection from temptation and from the evil one. And that's Jesus' next command for us. He says, ask your Father to lead us not into temptation. Now in the present moment, I I sense at least three temptations that I wrestle with daily. And we'll end with this. The first is the temptation to avoidance. It's when I'm most overwhelmed and I'm most afraid and I'm most uncomfortable. And so I say to myself, wow, this is really wrong. This is hard. I don't know what to do. What's on Netflix tonight? I don't want to deal with this. And rather than speaking up for the vulnerable or identifying with their pain, even in the simplest of ways, I avoid it. And sure, maybe I'll like my black friend's post on Facebook, but I won't say anything that might upset someone else or draw uh, attention to me that I don't want because, hey, that sounds really hard and, and I'm already overwhelmed, right? Life is really hard. I don't need that right now. And then I remember that the ability to compartmentalize injustice and oppression is something that only someone who looks like me can do. No one else can do that. No one has that luxury because when they see what we see playing out, On screens in front of them, all they can see is a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, a father, a mother, a neighbor. They do not have the luxury of turning that off and going to bed. They don't. They can't avoid it, neither can I. Ask your father, protect me from this temptation. Protect me. The second temptation I feel is to oversimplification, to offer easy answers or half-truths, to not really reckon with the real complexity around race, past and present, because it's too messy. Maybe you can resonate with that. Maybe you're shaking your head at me right now and you're drafting an email that starts with, yeah, but. And listen, I, I get it. I get the, the temptation to say, this is, this is actually a really straightforward problem and, and here's who to blame and here's why I don't play any part in it. And here's why I feel no need to talk about it or listen to anyone talk about it. I get it. There are days I want to do that. And maybe it's more than that. Maybe for you, it's like hatred for them. That's how you've simplified this problem to deal with it. There's an enemy and they're the problem. And anything that smells like them or talks like them or walks like them, whoever them is, that's clearly the problem that needs to be solved. You know who loves it when we do stuff like this? The evil one. Satan loves racism. He loves division. He loves oppression. He loves injustice. And he loves the pain and the violence that ripples from them for generations. And he wants to use us to do it. Make no mistake. One of his main strategies is to whisper to us. And maybe you've heard this whisper before. Oh, you're not part of the problem here. You aren't racist. That's not reasonable. You're a good person. Your mama raised you right. There's other people. They're the problem. If there's a problem at all. They just want attention. They want to take what we've earned with our hard work. 
don't worry, you're not deceived about any of this. You're way too smart for that. If you think you don't need protection from Satan's lies in this area of your life, he has already won. Father, protect us from temptation. Okay, last temptation. And perhaps the one for me right now is strongest. And that's the temptation to despair. Despair. Hopelessness. And as much as I feel the temptation to give up hope, I cannot imagine the strength that it takes to be a minority in this country and continue to fight the same fight with what appears to be the same outcome over and over and over again. Even when it feels like we've made progress, we turn on the television and literally it's 50 years ago, screen for screen, shot for shot, talking head for talking head, wash, rinse, repeat. We're tempted to give up. And I understand why as much as someone like me can understand. Because there are not easy answers here. I know we want them, but there aren't. And even after all this, I still don't quite know what to say. This is just hard and it's heavy and it's heartbreaking. And I don't know very much. But this is the hope I cling to. I know, I know that I will always have Jesus and he will always have us. And I know that one day, one day, and Jesus come quickly, hasten the day. We will not need this prayer anymore. We will no longer need these words to get through the day and the hour and the hurt and the despair because the kingdom will have come and every tongue will confess God's holy name and forgiveness will win the war and oppression and injustice will be no more and the evil one will be defeated forever and death and sin and tears will be wiped away and we will be together without malice. With only everlasting love, one family of every tongue, tribe, and nation. Worshiping the Lamb. One day. But that day is not today. Today we need this prayer to sustain us in the fight, to transform us into people who do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with our God over a lifetime of work. To work in our church, in our city, in our world, to share the kingdom our Father promises to bring. And when we don't know what to say, Jesus says, pray this. Let's pray it together. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Our Father who hears us, may your name be made great. Father, bring your full kingdom in the ways I understand and in the ways I don't, in the ways that are easy for me, in the ways that are hard. May your will be done here just like it is in heaven. Provide for us daily, Father, and forgive us. And Holy Spirit, give us the strength to forgive those who have sinned against us in ways I can hardly imagine. Deliver us from temptation and the evil one who wants to distract us, pull us away from you and away from each other. 
we rest knowing that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. We love you.